0: Hello and welcome back to the Villa Villa podcast. It's another late night edition.
1: I'm here as always with my good friend, Dan Wiseman. Dan, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's, uh, it's never normally good when we do these late night editions, is it? Because once you hear these dulcet tones, the rooms are looking a little more dim. It's just this sort of candid moonlight that illuminates the pretty, you know, disenfranchised faces of both you and I at the moment, it usually means that we've had a bad result with contemplated squeezing out a pod after kick-off, something's got in the way and we thought, we'll just get one in later but what it allows for is the emotions to sort of settle a little bit more rationale starts to kick in and replace the initial emotional reaction and we tend to get some better takes as a result, so after a bad result, maybe recording later on is never such a bad thing Absolutely, mate. Calm
0: takes are what I think the Villa Filler is all about. You guys know what we're about. And just for reference, I have the highlights up as well, Um, as this is unfortunately not a game I was able to watch live. Uh, So, you know, that's another reason why we are here doing this a little bit later than we usually would. But Dan, I mean, talk me through this, right? Because I've seen extended highlights, I've seen the goals, I've seen this. You were sat there, full 90 minutes, unfortunately, for yourself, mate. And I mean, from what I'm gathering, from what I'm reading, from what I'm seeing... First half, really well disciplined from Villa. Uh, we'll get on to the Bertrand Traore goal a bit later on. But I think there was plenty to be happy about with the, the first 45 minutes of football, wasn't there, Dan?
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I think the first half as a whole, to be honest with you. I think we rode our look at points. Um, they were particularly dangerous down that left-hand side. It was a real, one of the sort of undertones of this game. I was really interested to see who shone the most out of Matt Target and Luke Shaw. In that sort of um both of the sort of gunning for that final left-back spot of the euros both have got a real point to prove in these last few games of the season before southgate picks that squad and so that, that was one of the little you know the storylines that i was going to keep an eye on throughout the game but in the first half there's no doubt that luke shaw won that little personal battle everything that was good that united did came down that left-hand side and they caused real problems at points um you know emmy had to make a, a few saves nothing too Last ditch, nothing too full stretch, but, um, you know, United tested us, but that, w- that was always going to be the case, you know what I mean, mate? Like, you know, we were never going to shut out United without a shot on target for this 90 minutes. We know if we need, if we were going to get a result against United, considering our form against that team in particular, which is, I'm sorry, sure, something that we'll touch on. Um, we needed to ride our look at points, and, and Villa did, but what was important is that, well, I was about to say we took our chances when they came along, but but it's not even a chance. It's not even a half, chance, really. <laughs> I mean, how he fashions that into the top corner is is unbelievable. Uh, but he's he's got that in the locker, mate. You know, we've we've seen him do that. Reminded me of the game against Crystal Palace on Boxing Day, um, where he rattled that one in off the underside of the bar. Um, there's there's been sort of several games where he's done that and produced these moments of quality out of nowhere. And going in one nil up, we felt pretty good value for that I thought
0: yeah I mean listen, it's a shot in the dark is it but it's them kind of moments of magic that, that really matter and Bertrand Traore's second goal against Manchester United this season now let's not forget he scored in the reverse fixture at Old Trafford as well Dan uh, it, you know again he's a player we don't rep schmucks on this podcast Dan do we Bertrand Traore we said it from the start you can see him behind me just there Bertrand Traore <laughs> he is the Donny consistency is of course an issue that plagues him but I mean, that finish, and from, from, what I've, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, Dan, certainly from the, the commentary and the punditry, uh, they, were, they were talking about how it was poor defending from Manchester United, which it just completely baffles me because I think in, in the build-up to this, and I think it's important, again, that we do highlight this given some of the um, completely unjust social media criticism of Douglas Deweese and John McGinn in recent weeks, uh, you know, even as, as recent as today. Both do really well linking up, winning the ball back John McGinn, and Bertrand just again the word that we always use with Bertrand Traore Dan is 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 nonchalant he is so nonchalant and how he receives the ball and just flicks it out of his feet like that to spin off. and Henderson has no chance it's a fantastic goal and it's one of them ones again where I think often Dan we can and we do criticize Villa for not actually taking shots like we create chances but you don't see many players line up outside the box. Just have a pot shot. you know. Anwar has been the guy recently who's done that, and he proved against Everton. If you shoot, if you take your chances, you're going to score eventually. And, I mean, again, I don't have the individual XG for that one, but I'm sure Bertrand defied XG by uh, a monumental number for that one, Dan. And it gives Villa, uh, I mean, as soon as you see Villa go 1-0 up, Dan, as soon as, you know, it, it was a good first-half performance, you can't help but feel like that doubt, that always sets in when Villa go on a lot, especially against the big teams, especially against teams in Manchester. Because it only happened a few weeks ago, damn, didn't it? It was. It almost seemed inevitable. And of course, we can say that with hindsight. But refereeing decisions go against Villa. Momentum swings. They get sucker punched. Villa don't really do themselves many favors as well, giving away a penalty. It really was the cliche story, uh, you know, game of two halves, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And it, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. Not that I condone the sort of abuse that's being dished out on social media, but that, you know that, that that's Villa, some pretty poor sections of the Villa fan base, unfortunately. And that, that that's the way that this season has shown that this fan base operates, and it's it's terrible. But their frustration stem from the fact that we know United do this. That's United's tenth comeback win of the season. They lead the league in points collected after going behind by a long, long way. We know that United are the comeback specialists, and that's not just Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United. That's just Man United in general. Pick any point in the history. They are the guys that, you know, think Fergie time. They get it done in the second half. And when you add that to, you talk about that doubt, mate, and what the Villa fans, so what the Villa players are trying to overturn in that. You know, United are now unbeaten in their last 22 games at the Park. That's the longest uh, unbeaten away run one side has had against another in English top flight history. Mm-hmm. Um, Villa have just won once in their last 45 Premier League meetings with Man United, uh, which is a terrible, terrible statistic. But this is the doubt that's creeping in, mate, when you are aware of these hoodoos that as soon as they get one... I mean, look, I don't... Douglas Luiz... He'll know more than anyone. You, you know, you see it in his face when he commits the foul. You see it in Ezri Conte's face when, you know, he's sort of lambasting him after he does it. It's a stupid challenge. He doesn't need to make it. It's a silly penalty to give away. Yes, it's probably a little bit soft, but, you know, if you touch Paul Pogba in that situation in the penalty box when he's 1-0 down, you know, he's going to go down like a sack of shit. He's entitled to he's going to get the penalty. Um, and then, you know, Bruno steps up and, and does it again. That's the third game in a row he scored a penalty against us. And it, it runs like clockwork, to be honest with you, mate. Um, it's There's some pretty crazy stats that have come out of that penalty, though. Um, so United have now won a game against Villa with a penalty every time they've played us since 2016. Um, but what's even that, worse yeah. is the last time Villa had a penalty against Manchester United was in the 2010 League Cup final, and that wasn't even a good decision because village <laughs> got the yellow. <laughs> All oh, round. It's just a joke. <laughs> that's that's poor, man. But listen, on Douglas
0: Luiz, uh, he posted on Instagram, uh, I'm a passionate player for the club. I never wanted to commit a penalty like this. And I ended up hurting the team and the result. Now, who doesn't understand me? Fuck you. With many errors, I'm learning. And uh, like, that's the thing as well, man. I think it's... You know, we absolutely do not condone any sort of social media abuse. Constructive criticism—you are allowed to criticize players. That this isn't this isn't me or Dan, you know, saying that that is not allowed. Because if a player isn't performing, and if a player does what Douglas Deweese does, it's not good. But I think the the different I think again, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for this, Dan. But it's it's much easier to kind of when you know when you're at the game, Dan. You know. You're you're sat in your seat in the Trinity, Dan. And we're frauds. We're heart. We're called heart of the heart, and we're sitting in the Trinity. In the like, no, <laughs> allow it, right? Allow it. Don't tell them. But, <laughs> but you know, you see Douglas Louise make that. You you know you you get you get a little rate. You shout a little bit in the ground, whatever. But then by the time you've walked out of the game afterwards, Dan, you go, ah, oh, that was a bit naff, wasn't it? You, you, by you know, sometimes you just need an to vent, and it's unfortunate that people go to social media. People are like atting him in abuse, which is just a completely just awful and, and it's horrible to see. Um, fair play to you for standing up for yourself, Dougie. And I think just to kind of break down the play, Dan, that, that kind of led to this penalty, uh, it's actually quite out of character because one thing you see from the, a freeze frame from when I believe it is Wan-Bissaka who plays the ball to Pogba. He plays a nice little slide ball past that target that Pogba runs onto into the box. Douglas Luiz has to track him instantly. The first thing first thing you notice is Matt Target is not in line with his defence, which allows that ball to be played in. Amar El Ghazi, poor market from him as well. Uh, Douglas tracks the man very well. He does what he has to do uh, as well. Mings is initially quite deep and he's in a good position to actually come across uh, for when Pog was actually trying to kind of cut, come and cut inside here. But, Louise makes Pogba's decision so much easier for him. You know he knows exactly what he's going to do as soon as he comes inside. Douglas is rash to give away the penalty uh, again at Old Trafford before, which was certainly not a penalty. I mean, this one you can't really argue with. Um, but it, it's it's frustrating because it, it's. I understand you're going to get carved open with a little a little slide draw pass like that every now and then. And again, not criticizing that target had a fantastic game by all accounts uh, himself. But it's these little, it's it's an individual moment of frustration. I think, if you think about it, Dan, there's probably only been four performances out of the whole season where you can go, that's a disgrace, that was a stinking performance. Everybody has let the team down here. I think Leeds at Home comes to mind. Stoke in the Cup comes to mind. Uh, you know, there's only, there's a handful of performances like that. It's more often than not, Dan, we're coming on this podcast and we're going oh, this is really annoying because we've been undone by an individual error. So that's how you know that Villa aren't realistically too far off where they need to be. Um, It's frustrating. But listen, again, on another, uh, if we're trying to take positives, Dan, United have a triple game week in FPL. Everyone should have had Bruno captain. You know he's going to score the penalty. uh, So he will be getting points for days. But after this, Dan, you know, Cavani puts us to the sword. He's someone who I highlighted in the preview. And again, it's that right-hand side again, which kind of um, we, we again, we highlighted earlier in the preview, that's that's where they, they're dangerous and they can cause you problems. It's a, uh, In fact, I'm jumping ahead here, I'm going on Cavani. Um, the Mason Greenwood goal is, again, phenomenal Dan, isn't it? I mean, we'll talk about that because I think, again, you can criticise Tyrone Mings here uh, for over-committing, which is uh, again, a bit of a trend really. The, no Thai slander on this podcast. Criticism? Yeah, slander, absolutely not. Thankfully, I've not seen too much of it, but Mason Greenwood, in the, in, within the 18-yard box, mate, you would back your mortgage that that kid is scoring, wouldn't you? He is absolutely clinical.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think it's it's one of those where you it showed the difference in, in quality in those situations, ultimately. I mean, you know, when you're 2-1, you're already 2-1 up and they're bringing on this Ellington Cavani and he's finally shown in these last sort of seven or eight games now where he's got a similar amount of goals. What just a, an incredible... Player Edinson Cavani is absolutely phenomenal, and you know you when you add him to the likes of Mason Greenwood and Rashford and the like, it's it's a serious problem, and that pro- that showed in the penalty area. I think Emmy will be disappointed because he's such a good goalkeeper to be beaten at his near post like that. I think he's anticipating that Greenwood is going to go far post, uh, and I think you can sort of see a little shift in the body weight before he makes that sort of dive down to his left. I don't think he was really expecting to do that, but look, you know, I'm not. Not in the business of pointing fingers, mate. I think it's a collective effort ultimately because we never never looked up to it in the in the second half. You know, you can look at Louise for the penalty, Mings with that sort of um where Greenwood sort of just rolls in. You've got Emmy with that that last save that you know you were talking about Matt Target there. There are these little individual moments, but the game ultimately was not won or lost. We had, you know, when it was one-one, we still had a point to play for. When it was two one, we still had plenty of time to come back into that game. Get a uh, perhaps get an equaliser. There are so many other instances in that game where, as a unit, I don't think we were up to it in the second half. Uh, and uh, you know, you talked about the cliche earlier, mate, of a game of two halves, and, and it really applies today. I think, sure, we can point fingers. Louise is probably going to get the most of them today. And uh, you know, it's his birthday as well, I believe. So, exactly, I hope, man. I wish him happy, happy birthday, Doug. You know, you're still a favorite of the Villa fella, don't worry about it. Um, but now the, the Villa team as a collective I think we have to look at the management again because um, it's just a complete collapse in the second half um, I think as a team they'll look at this they'll learn from it that's the process mate and we'll go again is, is that an overreaction Dan?
0: You know from I think because I mean let's let's be real Dan as you say I think realistically before this game do you have Villa going one and look as quick as they did? Do you, Do you have Villa actually you know because Let's be real, Dan. For forty-five minutes, Villa were in this game. Did we really expect that? Is is no, is there is there too much criticism? Uh, not that I've seen much of it, but can we place too much criticism on on Smith on the management of this game? I think if you know, if you're looking at kind of the decisions that are made, um, that kind of cost Villa, you know, aren't really kind of inflicted on, but you know, by Dean or by the changes. Mm-hmm. I think we're still kind of limited. Later, we saw. Keenan Van Nistelrooy and Wesley come on again, two favourites of the podcast. But, I mean, at this stage, we're still kind of, what do you do? How do you, how, how do you beat Manchester United when when the momentum's going their way? We saw it last season, Dan. The penalty completely changes the game. You sucker punched us. were competing in that game up until that moment. Uh, is, yeah, yeah. Is, is it just a case of, you know, it, it was one of them ones, it's a frustrating one, but you just kind of take it on the chin or, or what, Dan? Because... I think, Again, not that I've, not that I've, I've seen I've, criticism of Dean, but,
1: you know, it just kind of presents that kind of discussion, doesn't it? No, absolutely, mate. But I think naturally, um, you know, I think that look, no one expected Villa to win this game. This, you, you know, United team was seriously picking up form now. I mean, I was uh, a doubter when Ali came into charge and, and was for a long, long time. You can't doubt what he's producing with this Man United team. They're by far and away the best, you know, the second best team in the, in this league. Um and but I think ultimately when you're leading at halftime, um, we you when you're aware of what Man United do, I think we there has to be a plan. Ultimately, yeah. when you when you're aware that Man United more likely they're not given that record that I was talking about earlier, are going to come back into a game. How we counteract that? But. Look, it's it's, as you say, mate. I'm not pinning it. It's it's a collective thing that I think when the heads dropped and that doubt came in, mate, it's it's having the mental strength to pick yourself back up and go again, play that nil-nil score line that we all did in Sunday League and get yourself back into it. But you know, this United have had a far far more to play for in that game than Villa did. You know that they it was on them to not let City win the league, which is obviously something they don't want on their hands. Um, and I, I think that's perhaps what prevailed in the second half. But um, no, I mean, on the whole, we took it to them well in the, in the first half. And I think that's what Villa fans need to take from this. Absolutely, man. And I want to circle back to your point on Edison Cavani because his goal, you have to just
0: admire. You talk about world-class centre-forwards play, the way he kind of make, you know, angles his run uh, from Matty Cash into the box. Wonderful finish. And, uh, you know, since the XG stats are recorded here on FB Ref, Edinson Cavani has consistently overperformed his XG he's constantly he's a goal machine and I remember watching him come up at Palermo at Napoli in the early days it always felt like he was a striker that I think with the way with this sort of trajectory that uh, the Premier League in English football kind of went on you know during the 2010s it all it almost felt unlikely that we'd ever see him in the Premier League down, didn't it because it, it, it almost felt like I don't know the, the game is just played at a different pace He's, of course, a world-class finisher, a world-class striker, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, you look at certain certain players when they come to the Premier League, don't always make that transition as seamlessly uh, as someone like Cavani has. I mean, the only season he hasn't outperformed his XG was his final season at Paris Saint-Germain. Only played 14 games. He scored four goals at an XG of 7.6. Uh, but he was injured for a lot of the time, didn't play a lot as well, uh, obviously, because there, there was a very sort of public situation whereby he was running down his contract. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a general decision that he wasn't really going to play as much. So he had a lot of time on the bench as well. um But, you know, he's got an XG so far, 6.6 this season. He scored eight goals for Manchester United in all comps. And it was a wonderful goal. Uh, you know, you just kind of have to take your hat off. I don't really think there's much the defence can really do about that one, is there, Dan? It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a world-class finish. And, yeah, you know, it, it hurts to see that. But I think as well, it's, it's the ball that's teed in by Rashford as well, man. Supplying the hungry kids and he's supplying the hungry strikers as well.
1: <laughs> Meat meals always delivers, bro. You can count on that. That um, uh, was that. Uh, nah, you're absolutely right, Edinson's... Uh, I'm. I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's, you never want to see him do it against Villa, but I'm always happy when you know United. Falcao did it. Falcao was a player that I never thought we were going to see in the Premier League. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he just didn't cut it. And and Cavani, very similar in in a lot of ways to rad so I'm, I'm you know, happy to see that Edinson's backing that up and he's always want to see the best do in the Premier League and uh, yeah no that, that was nice mate and he had a nice moment with Emmy after the game as well the sort of two of them uh, had a, a nice chat on the pitch as well um, always nice I imagine for Emmy to have some Spanish speaking friends to have a conversation because <laughs> there aren't many Spanish speakers in Birmingham I can't imagine so that's, that's nice for him um, Come on Emmy.
0: come on the podcast we'll talk in Spanish Um as well, I mean, Dan, just to kind of add insult to injury, really, that second yellow card from Ollie Watkins, absolute yeah. scandal. And I know that you don't like to talk too much about refereeing decisions, Dan. And I know I always make you, but Ollie Watkins is now no longer going to be afforded the chance to have played every single minute of Premier League football this season. That you know, he was he was in it. He was in a club of five people this morning. I think uh, before the game, and I think Thomas Sushek was in it. Um, Sam T. tweeted it, so I know you would have seen it, Dan. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, um, but Ollie's no longer on that list. That's disappointing. It's a scandalous decision, uh, and and from what I was reading as well, people were thinking at the time, oh, we're getting a penalty as soon as the whistle's blown, and then to to kind of see that you know the, the yellow card come out, we were dealt with that. It's just it, it's frustrating, man. But I guess you know again, just trying to take the positives from this, Dan. Surely. And I mean, surely, because if he doesn't, then I don't know what we'll do. Then I think this podcast will explode. Keenan Davis starts next week.
1: Yeah, it, mate, there was that sort of last 10 minutes where Villa went 4 4 2, and we had Watkins on the wing and Keenan and Wesley up front. And I'm not sure it really worked very well. I mean, we conceded, but it was, and excuse my French, fucking mental. I loved it. <laughs> I don't just care about the story. we can lose 5-0, I just need to see that 4-4-2 again, because it was absolutely batshit, um, I, having Keenan and Wesley, come on man, it's like these two forces of nature just, coll- it's like, honestly, it's like Godzilla versus Kong, like, it's like these two <laughs> yeah. huge entities that you never thought would play on the same pitch to go, but here they are, and they're just both batting rams. every single header, that like, flying into it, it was mental, um so yeah 100% go 4-4-2 we lose 4-0 who the? care? it's for the vibes man we need vibes. that <laughs> just just rock with it see what that front two can do because yeah if, if nothing it was great entertainment mate, mate I, I'm sure that's something that you will cover in your
0: preview Dan as that game is on Thursday um mm-hmm. again you're probably going to be in for a late night Villa filler as I may be at that game as well um so hopefully I'll be able to see Keane and Davis start a Premier League game that would be absolutely wonderful fingers crossed but listen guys uh thank you for sticking with us tonight it's been a late one i know you guys don't like uh, listening when we lose but again i just like to reiterate the point i made in the preview Uh, six and a half thousand views on that everton one which is absolutely mental um so thank you to everybody who's watched that thank you to everyone who's watched the preview just everyone who's been on the channel you guys who are watching this one as well you're the real mvps uh you i know it's difficult to watch um, but you know it's, it's nice it, you know the dust has settled it's now quarter to ten as we're wrapping this up now um, so we've had plenty of time to kind of mull on our thoughts and feelings on that game and uh, deliver the calm takes to you guys so Dan is there any
1: final words from yourself mate before we wrap this up? Uh, no just uh, echoing that sentiment mate like it was great to, for the Villa to get a win you know seeing everyone come back to the podcast that rightly haven't really felt like listening in recent months so it was great to see you guys again but you guys that are back after the defeat we know you love you more than most so thanks as always for the support and uh, yeah uh, you'll get a preview off me um early to mid next week fantastic so as I say if
0: you guys enjoyed hit the like button comment your thoughts below let us know your man of the match and subscribe for more content up the villa